Do you know why we have so many pygmies in our pews? Because we have so many puppets in our pulpits. Immediately a man was nailed to the cross, he lost all his rights. And if you ever get nailed to the cross, you'll lose all yours too. We love ourselves so much, and who are, we, who are we talking about now? Unbelievers? No. So-called believers who have never understood what it is to take up the cross and put self to death. See, because in the last days there's going to be very little preaching about the cross and death to self-life. And so, when there's no preaching against death on death to self, self is going to flourish in the lives of many Christians. They won't even know that you cannot follow Jesus if you love yourself. I don't ask people if they're saved anymore. Who isn't saved? From the White House to the Jailhouse. <clears throat> I'm asking you, is Christ, does Christ live in you? Christianity is the only religion in the world where a man's God comes and lives inside of him. Thanks be to God that when I finally acknowledge that I can't do this, it's not possible for me to live the Christian life on my own. I, I'm not called to chart my own course. I'm not called to create my own destiny and ask God to bless it. I'm called to follow Him. I'm called to give up the rights to my life and walk with the Holy Savior. I'm called to let His mind be formed in me. His life become my life. His ways become my ways. His purpose become my purpose. His plan become my plan. And then the power of God will come upon me. Run from those that are picking your pocket in the name of Jesus. Run! Run from churches where men and not Christ are glorified. Run! Run from those who preach division between races and cultures. Run! Run from preachers that stand and tell stories and jokes. Run like you've never run before. Good day to you today. It is July, almost at the end, the 26th, 2023. Um, there's a lot of stuff that we can talk about. Um, just the idea that your freedom in this country, United States, which people have just aspired towards for many, many years, centuries even, to come here because we we offer freedom freedom of speech freedom of religion freedom of unfortunately sexual preference you know, you have rights to uh all these things but yet if you make somebody mad if you if you step out and you know you voice your opinion you get squonked I'm not a huge I I used to be a 
country music fan. I'm, I'm only talking about this for the moment. There's a guy by the name of Jason Aldean. Yeah, he's pretty good. I mean, he's that rocky kind of country. Uh, put out a song called Tried in a Small Town. The video kind of shows rioters, looters, all that kind of thing. The song talks about smacking people unaware on the street. He said, just try that here. You know, try it. Come to my little town and try it. And, oh, they have gone insane. Fox News steps up. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If you are still watching the homosexual-agended Fox News at this point in time, you need help. Shut them off. Go to Newsmax or just quit watching news. You can get all the garbage news you want from Facebook. I don't, I don't do that either. I have an aggregator who brings me the news that I need by the name of Mike. So I don't need to do any of that. I'm just sit here and he'll send me stuff willy-nilly, you know, and usually it's interesting. Sorry, Mike, always interesting. But, you know, we've gotten ourselves so wrapped around this thing that, oh, no, they're conservative. They are not. They support things like uh, fund matching, good Lord, for the satanic temple. You know, you if you're if you're in an, in an, one of those employee, you know, like we used to have to do at the combined federal campaign when I was a worker. You know, if you put in so much, the government put in so much to back it up or something like that. Well, that's what they're doing. But you know, it, they have chosen all kinds of things that you wouldn't imagine them to do, like the Satanic Temple, the Southern Poverty Law Center, and on and on. Again. I only bring this up and mentioning it in passing because it's just disturbing to me that, you know, when you f- step out and, and use your freedom of speech in this country, uh, you get crushed. Mr. Aldean has been, I imagine they're going to cancel some of his concerts and the CMT, the country music cha- television channel, uh, the bastion of country music, which today the country music sounds like garbage. It's not Johnny Cash, Willie, and Waylon, and, and all the guys of the old days, the old outlaws, you know, and all that. It's Casey Ballerini, whoever she is, and these other singers. I'm, I, I'm like, they're not, it doesn't even sound like it. No twang. You know, if you want to listen to country, you want a little twang. I go strictly to the bluegrass, and you can't get any twangier than that. They haven't muddied that water yet, but again, nobody listens to it in in the mainstream because they don't understand the complexities. They can't handle it. The other complexities we have out there in the world today is the church. The church is a mess. Now, when I say that, I mean the what calls itself church. They're so caught in their denominational diatribe that they can't seem to d- distinguish that they are failing. Look at 
mainstream churches, the ones that people always say, oh, they're conservative, they're this, they're that, and they're fundamental and all that, they're suffering, man. There's hardly anybody in them. There's, now there's always going to be a, a church here and there that packs a crowd, but for the most part, they're, they're dropping. The Methodists, the Baptists, the Episcopalians, whoever they are, they're not doing well. Why? Because they have lost their way. I recently reintroduced myself to uh, some things that I've always used uh, in my teaching, preaching, whatever. And it doesn't go over well. Take up your cross daily and follow me. We've talked about that over and over again. Every other program, just about, I circle around to that. Because Jesus is telling his disciples, and people, they divorce themselves. Oh, I'm not a disciple. I'm not Peter, James, or John. I'm just Tom or Mary or Sue or Harry. Listen, if you want to be a follower of Christ, you're a disciple, period. Well, I'm not a preacher. Well, I don't care. But here's the thing. One of one of the doctrines and one of the tenets of the church has always been hell. The place of eternal torment. The place of eternal damnation. The place of eternal separation from God. The place where uh, the soul goes forever, eternally. And, you know, to get the, the pews filled up a little bit more with uh, sheep that aren't sheep but more goats, they kind of dropped it. But well, we will just talk about the good side. You know, back in, back in the days when Jesus walked this planet, there was a place called Paradise. If you go to places like, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 16, you find what I'm talking about. One side of it was called Abraham's bosom. In the Greek, it was Hades. In the, in the, in the uh, uh, English, you know, we had words like hell, paradise, Abraham's bosom. And Jesus told a story about two men, a man named Lazarus, and a rich man. The rich man woke up in hell. Lazarus at Abraham's bosom. They'd had passed on, of course. And the rich man's not feeling too good. He's in hell. Jesus talked a lot about hell. The King James Bible mentions the word hell. As I return to my glasses here. 54 times. King James Bible, the original, authorized King James Bible, 54 times. As we go to the New King James, 32 times. Uh, now, look, this is, a, this is a Bible, not the New King James. I, I, there's times I refer to the New American Standard Bible, and there's two versions. I think I have the on the desk here I have the 2020 version or the 2000, I get 2000, the 2000 version. And then there's also the new American standard 95. That's what the 
hardline Calvinist. Or they, you have to have a new American Standard 95. That's all there is to it. Mentions hell 13 times. I like that Bible, actually. If there's another one that I go to, it's usually that one. The ESV, English Standard Version, 14 times. Now, this is funny. Uh, the Young's Literal Translation. This is the most literal translating of the... Uh, li- it's transliteration, really. It, it's it's not an easy read, uh, but it, it introduces you to... Uh, how a Hebrew or a Greek or whatever, I guess a Hebrew more or less, would uh, transliterate into English. Young's literal translation. It mentions the word hell zero times. He probably uses the word sheol. New Living Translation, a Bible that I would do little with. And then there's, of course, the Living Bible, which, you know, use it for a doorstop. It's not really a Bible. But actually, NLT uses the word hell 17 times. Now, I'm flying here without notes other than the fact that I'm using those uh, nice little statistics there for you. That hell has kind of lost his place. Now, to make it clear, in the Old Testament, the word hell is usually... uh, Sheol, which could be translated grave or something to that sort. So I took that out because I, I didn't want the arguments to come up, which I knew there would. Oh, there, there, you know, there are people that don't want to hear this kind of thing. They say, uh, well, uh, it's not really hell. Uh, that's, a, that's an English thing, you know, blah, blah, blah. So. We'll just take the Old Testament out of the picture for the time being. And we'll look at the New. Now, the New Testament uses three different words that get translated hell. Hades, this this would be the Greek. Hades, Gehenna, and Tartarus. Hades was always in the Greek, the underground. Even the Greeks like, you know, Homer and all the others, they... They talked about the under underworld. I'm not the underground, the underworld. And Tartarus was, you know, somewhere on that same plane. It was below the underworld, I think. <clears throat> but if you take the Old Testament out of the hell equation, you still have 23 verses where the word hell is used. And Jesus used them quite often. Quite often. They say he talked more about hell than anybody. You know, I've never really sat down. I've just, I'm taking men at their, at their face value there because I've never sat down and tried to find how many times Jesus mentioned hell. Uh, but I know he did quite often. Circle back to telling people about eternal damnation. We have lost that type of preaching. We have lost that type of teaching. Now, there's two different words that I just used, preaching, teaching. Right now, I'm more of a commentator, teacher. 
but I am not afraid to stand in front of people and preach hell. Uh, the, the men that have spurned me on into this ministry that I have were not afraid to do it either. Guys like Wilkerson, Bill Randalls, David Wilkerson, Bill Randalls, David Lankford, uh, even Steve Mitchell. Steve was more of a teacher that, that he would go, and he was an expository teacher. If you listen to him, you'll see that. But he didn't have a problem talking about eternal damnation. And there's a whole bunch of other ones out there that you can go and find that are not afraid to speak about eternal damnation, i.e. hell. But in the mainstream, it's what you can get, what's happening for you. you know, you've said the prayer. You've, you've made a commitment to Jesus that you probably aren't keeping. We all have trouble with this sinful nature that pops up within us, the lusts of the flesh, the lusts of the eyes, and the abundant pride of life. We get kind of proud of where we stand. We get kind of uh, looking where we should not not be looking. Matthew five twenty nine: If thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out, cast it from thee, for it is profitable for you that one of your members should perish, and that and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. That's Jesus speaking said that about your right hand as well he said that about your foot fear not them which kill the body but are not able to kill the soul but rather fear him god which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell a lot of times guys won't preach the hard lines because they are under uh subjection to a board of elders or they're un, they're 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 only welcome in the church for a season because they have no one else to turn to but if you get out of line they'll just knock you right off to the side you better hold to their denominational standing you know none of us are going to hell you don't need to talk about it listen you get off the trail you get off far enough, and I know you will go to a place separated from God. People, that's called backsliding. We talked about that in my last installment here. It's serious business, but yet it's not taken that way. I hear over and over again from the OSAS crowd, the once saved, always saved, eternal, unconditional security crowd. That I I said the prayer with my entire Sunday school class, and I'll see them all in heaven. Even if they've become, you know, you haven't seen them in 25 years, and some of them are homosexuals, some of them are drug addicts, some of them are drunkards, some of them are probably good people. I mean, I'm, I'm not discounting that. I'm just saying... You, you can't say you'll see all of them again over one five-second prayer that 
you know, when little kids are asked, even in to their teenage years, who loves Jesus? Who's going to say no? As a little kid, hardly any. I know Paul Washer, uh, another guy who doesn't refrain from talking about the harder things of the Bible, says, you know, which one of those kids, unless it's the one in the back of the room with a leather coat with satanic symbols all over it, who's not going to say, I love Jesus? They're all going to do it. They see that picture of him up there up front. This is Jesus, and he just wants you to welcome him into your heart. When I hear a grown person say that, I question their ability to lead anybody to the Lord. In the future, we will talk a little bit more about evangelism and where it's gone and why it's abysmal at its state. You know, even Billy Graham asked was asked by uh, one of those talk show fellows, when you see all these people come down, what are you thinking? And he, he said, uh, well, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm humbled by it or something like that. But his main thought was four out of a hundred are the, you know, there's only going to be four out of a hundred that'll stay the faith. Ninety-six percent are going to flop. They won't go to church. They won't, they'll, they'll go back with full of zeal for a while. And it's just like the sower. I'm going to tell you something. Matthew 13, read it. Read the parable of the sower. I am going to go a verse by verse on that soon. I have to. I keep saying what I'm going to do, and I don't get around to it. But that's one of my big ones, putting it all together, that the the parables within Matthew 13 all do fit together. But the parable of the sower is good, good ground, rocky ground, and ground full of thorns. Some of it is the birds of the air swoop in and take it away before it even hits the ground. Some of the seeds land in good ground, they grow. Some of them go into the weeds and are choked out. Some of it lands on that stony ground where it grows for a little while, but then the sun comes out, hits it, and burns it up because it's not getting any juice from below. If you're not getting juiced by the Holy Ghost, you're going to burn up. You're going to feel it. You're going to feel that sliding away from God. It's not fun. And it's not where you want to be. As soon as an offense comes, is how Jesus puts it, they walk away. They leave. So don't tell me that just because you said the sinner's prayer and asked Jesus into your heart. Now, he's, he's good and faithful to do so. But you have to do your part as well and stay in the faith. Find a place where you get built up. Learn about your Bible. Pray on a daily basis and, and maybe even minutely and hourly to keep me from the, the temptations of this world because they are many. People don't get it. 
and it it, it rips them apart. They lose their, their they lose their footing. It's 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 literally causes fear to go through the heart of those that evangelize. So when you do, do it correctly. But hell, we we don't we we I I talked about all that just to say that you know we don't instill the fear of God into people's lives. Paul did. I'm, I'm throwing stuff all over the desk. Ignore me. Paul did. Second Corinthians chapter five. Verse number 10 and 11. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it's good or bad. Now that's, you know, the judgment seat of Christ as we've talked is the Bema seat. That's where the Christian goes and is good deeds are the ones that make it through the fire that he's going to put before him. The other ones are wood, hay, and stubble. Uh, another teaching another day. Verse number 11, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. See, that, what's Paul saying? He says, I know the terror of the Lord. But we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God and I trust also are made manifest in your conscience. According, therefore, to the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your conscience. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf that ye may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. But see, the thing of it is, is he didn't shy away from the terror of the Lord when he preached to people. And a good preacher will not. Now, you don't have to scare people every day, every sermon, but a healthy fear of God is always good. A healthy fear of God is good. God has the, the uh, divine right in his divine judgment, his perfect judgment, to throw us all in hell. But because of Jesus and because that we have accepted that, Jesus He's given us a way out. You can't get out once you're there. Um, I've had people ask me about cremation as a, a, a another way to to uh, evangelize, even if you if you must. Because usually the people that ask you that they're 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 kind of like what they call carnal Christians or uh, one foot in, one foot out types. And I've told several now. When they say, what do you think about cremation? I said, look, it's not what happens to your body, your dead, lifeless body here on earth. It's not what 
goes on with it after you've died. It's what you've done in it while you were here. Did you give your life to Christ? Did you truthfully, in a, in a correct way, surrender your all to him? That's what counts, not what goes on afterwards. I mean, there's people who have been blown to bits. You know, God doesn't look at that and say, well, I can't do anything with that. He's God. Your ashes will be reanimated some way. It's God's work, not mine. And your spirit and soul slammed together. Now, where do they go? Either into heaven or into the eternal uh, kingdom of God or to hell. Several years ago, about 22 or 3, some Russians were digging a hole, drilling a hole into the earth. Now, this I cannot, I cannot and will not say is what it sounds like. But this has been around for quite some time, say about 23, 24 years, that they they drilled a hole, they were... uh about four miles or five miles deep into the crust of the earth. And the drill started to spin freely. It broke through the crust, supposedly, or into a cavern of some sort. And they thought they heard something. So they sent some microphones down to record it. Uh, This is in Siberia. Now, I'm going to play a little clip of it. Because it is, like I say, I do not stand 100% or even 10% that that, this is what it is. But they honestly believe they recorded the sounds of hell. Now, it is kind of shocking. So if you can't handle these kind of things, fast forward or do whatever you have to do. I'll only play it for a couple of seconds. Now, whether that is what it is or not, I don't know. But it sure does give your hackles something to think about, doesn't it? It gives you a little bit of time to consider. Do you want to rest? I'm sorry. Do you want to spend the rest of your life in a place that sounds like that? Screaming. Uh, echoing whatever I mean it was it's again I don't I don't say that's what it is but they do they there's people that stand by it <clears throat> Matthew 2333 Jesus says to the Pharisees ye serpents generation of vipers how can you escape the damnation of hell He said that to the religious folks. We could say that to the religious folks of today because that's what they are, the religious. There's nothing wrong with religion. 
or using that word. James used it in his epistle. But I got to tell you, it has got a different sound to it today. I've had people say, oh, you're religious. And no, I'm a Christian, period. I believe in Christ. I believe that he guides my life. I believe that every once in a while I get off the trail, but he pulls me back on. He reminds me that it's better for my hand, my foot, or my eye to be ripped or cut off than to go and walk around maimed in this life than to enter hell. Now, he doesn't literally mean you should go and pluck your eye out. But what he means is you should use the power of God that has been given you through the Holy Ghost to keep you from going to places you should not, seeing things or looking at things you should not, and God forgive us all and forgive me. The eyes will offend you. They are your probably one of our most dangerous assets. I know there may be some folks out there who are sight-deprived or they can't see it all, and they, they say, well, I don't have that problem. Your mind's eye has it. Because that's the other eye that you have to worry about, not just the one that's there in the middle of your face. It's the mind. The mind can conjure up all kinds of things, and it can offend It'll offend you, and it will offend God. And when, it, when you catch your mind doing that, just rebuke it, I guess. Can you rebuke yourself? I, I, I'm probably getting in trouble with the Calvinists on that one again. And it's probably not totally scriptural, but, you know, you, you, you do. You ask God to please take this thought from me, rip it out of my brain. I don't want it there. Where is hell? The Bible continually talks about it being down. So the, the, the Russians, you know, there's other places it talks about under your feet and all that kind of thing. So the hell that is there today is a place that is probably is in the center of the earth. And that's what a lot of Bible teachers believe. Is that possible? Sure it is. God can do anything. It says that hell enlarges herself. See, that's where that's in Isaiah. That's the Old Testament. Uh, so when people say, "Well, he said he said hell," he really meant the grave. Uh, does the grave really enlarge itself? I mean, it probably should. One hundred and forty or one hundred and fifty thousand people die every day. Some of them go to eternal torment. Some go to eternal bliss with Jesus. I'm telling you, this thing is serious. This is just a a primer, a warm-up. I'm not going to go much more today on it. I got to uh, get myself moving here. But I, I got thinking about this, especially after I, I heard a guy you know, throw some of these stats about the Bible out, and I got on blb.org and uh, just checked the different 
versions of the Bible, and he was dead on. The, the King James holds on to 50-some, 53, 53, 54, sorry, 54. And then the, the next best is the NKJ at 32, mentions of actual hell. And then down from there, pretty much. What what can I say? Well, it does the, the at least the New King James was only twenty behind. But the the fact of the matter is, is uh, throughout the last twenty five years or so, hell is being erased from liturgy, from uh, sermons and messages, or whatever you want to call them, whatever your chosen thing. It's being raced it's being taken away uh, we don't talk about it too much anymore the uh rob bell a guy i would never promote and i'm not promoting i'm actually putting him down because he's a supposedly evangelical pastor so you know you do with that what you wish who, who says you know it's okay to be gay queer lesbian homosexual whatever Hang, hang with it. They're okay. They can be saved. They can be Christians. He also wrote a song, uh, song wrote a, a book called Love Wins. Love Wins. Basically with that same old tired premise that God would not send anyone he loves to hell. He loves us all, so how could he send his child to hell? If you have denied him all your life, you've denied Christ all your life. If you've turned your back and walked away, if you've uh, spit in the face of God, uh, sorry to tell you, hell is waiting. And yes, he will put you there. Some people will say, you choose hell. Not Nobody really chooses hell. They say they do. But their lifestyle and their way of living, their conversation, as Paul writes it, puts them there. But God is the one. He is the righteous judge. He says, see ya. To even some of the religious crowd, Matthew 7, Jesus said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. To the five of the virgins in Matthew 25 he said they're knocking at the door let us in let us in they didn't have the Holy Ghost they were not indwelt with the the Holy Ghost of God he said depart I know you're not you don't want to be in that situation you don't want to wait until it's too late uh, I'm going to Luke 12 and 5, but I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Paul wrote in th- uh, Romans 3.18, there is no fear of God in their eyes. And I'm going to tell you something. People in the church and out of the church. There's many who have no fear of God in their eyes. The ones that are lost and walk in the street doing whatever they do, they don't think about God. So they they have no fear. People in the church have no fear. They, they, They feel like 
they they spent their time doing what God wanted them to do. So now they can do whatever they want, and he'll just forgive them eternally without any repercussions. Wrong. Wake up. Read your Bible. Study it to show yourself approved. A workman, not ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You have that time during the day somewhere that you can spend with God. He wants you all day long, but he knows that he won't get you. But give him something. Find a church that teaches the hard things, that doesn't give you a free ticket out, but gives you the truth that you are called to a higher purpose and you've been bought with a price. I don't think people understand that. Just how much was paid for us. And, you know, when you walk up to somebody and say, you know, well, you've sinned. And they're like, well, I haven't done anything that bad. The law of God tells us of elsewise. And Jesus even spiritualized most of it, the, the, the parts that people always say, well, I didn't commit adultery. Have you ever looked at a woman with lust in your heart or a man? Well, yeah, I did that. Well, you committed adultery. Have you ever really thought about, man, I'd just like to walk over there and knock him out or maybe knock him off? You've committed murder. If you covet in your mind even, which mostly that's what coveting is, it's in your mind. You, you want something so bad. You've committed covetry. Covetry? Covetousness. And it goes on. These things take you away from the, 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 the other table of the law that says, I'll put God before everything. I will have no other idols. I will have no other gods. I will keep the Sabbath holy. Oh, we don't, have a, oh, we don't do Sabbath anymore. Well, guess what? You still have a day of the week that's been set aside for the worship of God. All days should be. But we have that one, it's called Sunday in most mainstream Christian religions. Keep it holy. Don't leave church and go to your lawnmower. Take it easy. Take a break. Your body needs a rest anyway. You've been working all week. You need a day where you're not. Now, my busiest day is Sunday because I preach and I, I lead singing and I preach in my church and in, and in, in another facility all day long. And I love it. But I'm wore out at the end of that day. But I've kept it. Kept it in the light of God all day. The best he can do. Look up. Because your redemption is drawing nigh. You have already been redeemed. You don't have to worry about a redemption. But the redemption of this entire universe is drawing nigh. You better get ready for it. And for those that are like, well, I just don't have time. And I don't, you know, I don't really know if I want to try this whole thing. What have you got to lose? I'll tell you what you got to lose. Eternity. 
Eternity never goes away. I don't care what anybody tells you. Once you're in hell, you don't come out. And the same with heaven. Once you're there, you never want to leave. Don't take a chance. Step up. Do what's right. Do what's right for you. Figure out that God's on your side. He wants all to come to repentance. The unfortunate thing is not all want to. Do you make a choice? You sure do. But he is the judge, and he is a righteous one. And in the end, you've you got no choice. You're going to go to a place you don't want to be. You may make jokes about it now like the, like the rock and roll goofballs do. I'm going to party in hell with my buddies. No, you're not. Remember that little clip I just played, that little bit of screaming and wailing. and Boy, you can go deep on the whole teaching of this. But most, most people can't handle what all that Jesus was painting these pictures of. Maybe down the road I'll talk about that too. I've got to do some studying on it myself. If you have questions, if you feel like, man, I don't know if I'm on the right track, send me an email. It's attached to the podcast, wherever you listen. Removing confusion at protonmail.com. I'll I'll talk to you. Send me your phone number. I'll call you. We'll talk. Because this is serious business. Just like the last program. Telling you. Backsliding. It's serious business. You don't want to be in that situation. But uh, as a couple of friends of mine have said, some people never front slid. And that's a scary thought. You think Maybe you made a decision. Maybe you feel like you did because of the emotions of the moment. But maybe I didn't. I'm not here to question your salvation. You know. But make it, make it sure. Ask God again. He doesn't care if you ask again. You're not, you're not questioning him. You just step up. Lord, I I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to lose my life, which wasn't that great here, and ended up in a place even worse. That's what a lot of people think. This is hell on earth. I'm living hell on earth. No, you aren't. It might not be great here for you, but it can be way worse. There is an afterlife. Trust me on that. And even if I'm wrong, what do you lose? You spend your life following Savior, Jesus Christ. But I'm not wrong. And the good preachers out there, they're not wrong. There is a day coming, a reckoning day coming. We don't know when, but we know it's coming. Be ready for it on this side. Don't wait until it's too late.
Till the next time. This is Tom Richardson with the Removing Confusion podcast. Pray for you. I hope for you. Pray for me as well. Are you a child of the king? Have you surrendered all? Don't wait. You want to sing with this crowd. And you want to sing it eternally. He'll adopt you. He'll take you in.